What's going on? Yerks here. Welcome to Yerks Talks. It is Monday, October 5th. Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a solid weekend. I know I did. Great sports action as always. Playoff baseball has been sensational. How about them Padres? Let's go, Pod Squad. Come here. So I had a plan this morning. I had it all figured out. Uh, I was going to get up early, going to record this episode, get it out at like 9 o'clock. It was going to be perfect. And then uh, for those of you that don't know, my niece, she's down here. Uh, she's staying with us for a little bit. And so that was the plan, right, to get up before she has school because I've been helping her out with that. So everything was going great. I get up early. I'm going over my notes, getting ready to record, and then she wakes up. She comes into my room and says, hey, can you play with me before school? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's – there's there's really no reasoning with, with a five-year-old. You kind of have to – kind of have to do what they say. Not like, you know, not like cave in, but explaining to her what I was trying to do, I mean, there's just no point. She's not going to get it. So, yeah, I ended up being Uncle John for a little bit. We played some cars this morning, played a little house. And then I ended up helping her out with school. Two things I'm realizing uh, as, you know, as I'm learning with her, right? So she's five, and so she's in kindergarten. The first thing I'm learning is I, I, didn't, I didn't remember how little you know when you're five years old. I, you know, because obviously I don't remember what I was like when I was five. I, like very, very, very little if I remember anything, you know? And so I'm realizing, you really just, you you know jack shit when you're five years old. You know nothing. And so right now they're learning about, you know, numbers. Uh, they're learning how to, you know, write sentences, things like that. You know, they're coloring, like they're tracing, like, like today she was tracing the number six and writing a sentence. Like, I see the necklace. Is was a sentence she's working on today, and so she was trying to like write the letter S, and I was just sitting there, kind of thinking like, "Huh, I didn't. I thought that they would know how to do do this, but I mean, why would they? You know." The second thing that I learned was being a kindergartner would drive like being a kindergartner teacher would drive me absolutely up a wall. I don't know how people do this. I know, um, I know a couple of people that teach, you know, like K through six. And I, I mean, my hat, my hat goes off to them because I don't know how they would do it. It would drive me insane. <laughs> like it's just, I'm just sitting there, you know, listening to her when she's on the Zoom call, and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, they, people do this as a job. Like I don't want to like bash kindergarten teachers. I think it's great. You know, I love, I love that they're able to, you know, work with kids at such a young age. I think it really does take a special person to do that, and that is just not me. So those are the two things I've taken away. Back to the podcast, though. Today, we are going to recap all the sports action that happened over the weekend. A lot of great stuff. We'll also preview the games we have going on today. We have two uh, baseball games. The American League Divisional Series starts today, so uh, we'll get into that. And then we also have two Monday Night Football games. You remember the uh, Chiefs-Patriots game got pushed back, so uh, we have that one. And then we have the, the Packers and the Falcons. They're playing, so we'll preview those as well. You can follow me on Twitter at John Yerks. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Yerks Talks. You can also follow 
on Spotify and subscribe to the podcast as well on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's get into it. We'll start with the NBA. So the Lakers, they lead the series 2-1 to one now against the Heat. Played two games over the weekend. First one was on Friday. So game two, it was kind of like game one. Uh, they didn't really have an answer. The Heat did not have an answer for LeBron or Anthony Davis. LeBron led the way in this one. 33 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Almost another triple-double for him. Anthony Davis had 32 points, 14 rebounds. Playoff Rondo, once again, Rajon Rondo, 16 points, 10 assists. Nice little dub-dub for him off the bench. On Miami side, uh, they didn't have Dragic or Adebayo in this one. Jimmy Butler had 25 points, 8 rebounds, 13 assists for him. Oh, man. And then Tyler Hero, 17.7 rebounds. And then Kelly Olynyk, which I think is probably season high, 24 points for him in this one, uh, 9 rebounds. Uh, both the teams shot the ball well in Game 2. Uh, just Miami didn't get enough from their starters, essentially. Just really tough. They didn't really have any answers for Davis or LeBron. But in Game 3, which happened yesterday, the Heat in this one, they just wanted it more. Uh, Drogic and Adebayo, once again, were not in this one, so it was crazy what they were able to do. They ended up getting the win. A must-win for them, right? You go down 3-0 in a series. Uh, no team has ever come back in the postseason down 3-0, so a must-win for the Heat if they want to try to you know, beat the Lakers in this series. And Jimmy Butler, who I think... Uh, I've already decided I'm going to get a Miami Heat jersey. I'm thinking the the alternate, the light blue with the pink. I think those are just so sexy. I'll probably get one of those eventually. Not sure when, but he was fantastic. 40 points, 14 of, 50, uh, 14 of 20 from the field, 11 rebounds and 13 assists. A triple-double for Jimmy Butler. This is the third 40-point triple-double in finals history. And he scored and assisted on this game. Uh, he scored and assisted on 73 points in this game. Just phenomenal from him. Uh, he's also, this is tied second for all time, like, in the finals, like, with scored attempted points, right? There's uh, Walter Frazier had 74 points he scored and assisted on, so he's tied second now. Uh, the crazy thing about this game, too, was just he was doing it on both ends, right? Great defense, as always. But he didn't attempt a three in this in this game. So all from, you know, jump shots, layups, driving to the driving to the, the hole hard, things like that, you know. Really impressive from Jimmy Butler. Uh, other players from Miami, Olenek and Tyler Hero, they both had 17. Duncan Robinson had 13 in this one, and then Jay Crowder put in 12. Uh, for the Lakers, just an off night for them, you know. Uh, maybe took the foot off the gas a little bit, being up 2-0, kind of thinking it was over, right, with no Dragic and Adebayo again, missing two games now in the finals. Uh, LeBron, he had 25 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, but 8 turnovers for him in this one. Uh, Anthony Davis, this was kind of the surprise. Uh, they played better defense against him, but he only shot the ball 9 times in this one at 15 points, and he also had the turnovers. He had 5 of them. Uh, Markeith Morris and Kyle Kuzma, they both had 19 points off the bench. Uh, just a weird game for the Lakers. I felt like, like I said, Miami just wanted it more, and Jimmy Butler was lights out. Uh, the Lakers had 20 turnovers in this game. Really sloppy by them. But, yeah, no, I mean, it was awesome to see Jimmy Butler. It was great basketball by him. Uh, the Heat kind of de deserve respect, man. You know, obviously every team had to deal with the bubble issue. You know, do they make it if it's a regular season? Do they even make it, you know, into the playoffs? 
who knows? But the fact that they've been able to capitalize on the situation, right? Everybody got dealt a crappy hand, and they were able to rise above it, get to the finals, and then take a game off the Lakers now. I mean, it sets up a very interesting game four. So we'll see if Jimmy Butler can continue this. I don't know if you can you can sustain a triple-double the rest of the way. It almost feels like that's what he has to do, so we'll see. You got to love the heart, though, by Jimmy Butler in this one and that whole Heat team. You know, down but never out. All right, let's shift to baseball. So we had two National League games this weekend. The first one, we had the Marlins. They beat the Cubs 2-0 on Friday. They advanced to the National League Divisional Series. They're going to play the Atlanta Braves. Uh, this game was scoreless until the top of the seventh. Hugh Darvish still in for the Cubs. Uh, he gets the first two outs in the inning, which is great, but then the mistake First baseman for the Marlins, Garrett Cooper. He hits a home run to left field. The next batter would get a double. Then a, then he would allow a walk. And then Magnerius. Magnerius, I believe I'm saying that right. Why do I do this to myself? I could just not pronounce his name and just say his last name, which is Sierra. But I don't know. So Magnerius Sierra. <laughs> That sounds kind of cool, actually. Uh, he hit a single. That would score the second run, and that would be it for you, Darvish. Six and two-thirds innings, five hits, the two runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. He was good. Both, I would say Hendricks and Darvish, they were both serviceable in their starts. But Miami, it was all about their starters. And in this one, their 22-year-old, Sixto Sanchez, he was fantastic in this one. Five innings pitched, four hits, zero runs, two walks, and six strikeouts the bullpen great as well they allowed only one hit the rest of the way uh that hit was off of their closer brandon kitzler so bottom nine he comes in he gives up a leadoff double to jason hayward but then he would shut it down the rest of the way he would strike out the next three batters and that would end the game on the cubs side of thing same old story i feel that their pitching was good enough to win both games especially this one i mean they only, only two runs given up by darvish and then Kimbrell came in after Darvish, and then Jeffries came in as well, and they both shut it down. I mean, this Cubs got to store more than two runs. You look at that roster, you think that it's got power all over the place. They, they've got to be able to manage runs, and they just couldn't do it. They could not hit to save their lives. That was the problem all year. They only score one run in 18 innings. They leave 16 on base, and they were 1-13 with runners in scoring position throughout the, throughout the series. Terrible. Here's an insane stat, too, that I read. So the key players, right? Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo. Those are the big three for the Cubs. Here's here's a stat, and I was blown away by this. So since winning the World Series in 2016, here are the batting stats in the playoffs for the big three. They're 19 of one, they're 19 for 141, which is a 134 batting average. They've only worked six walks and have struck out 52 times. Yikes, dude. That is, that's horrendous. And I, I mean, wow. And they weren't actually particularly hitting, I mean, well, they were hitting somewhat well in 2016, but man, this is just horrendous. You know, I feel like that they have the tools, right? The pitching was there this year, right? Darvish got back to his old form, right? When they first traded for him, he was not. The ace, he was struggling. But now this year, he, you know, in the running for National League Cy Young winner, and the hitting just let him down. They just got to find something else. I don't know what they got to do. 
they have to be better. This is just terrible. All, all the way around, man. When Jason Hayward, now, he picked it up, but when Jason Hayward's, like, your leading hitter, you got problems on your team, all right? Now, he did have a great season, but, man, this was this was a surprise, a huge disappointment and let down by Chicago here. For the Marlins, we got the bottom feeders right. Uh, fun fact by them, they have never lost in the postseason. Like, they never lost a series. Anytime that the Marlins are in the postseason, they win the whole thing. So, you know, as that... What seed? They were the fifth seed, I believe, in this one. Yeah. So as the no, the sixth seed. Excuse me. As the sixth seed, they beat the Cubs. They pull off the upset. They move on. They deserve it. They found ways to get runs. They both. They had two home runs. You know, they had the big home run in game one, the three run shot, and then they had this one to get ahead. Then they add up another run too. Remember, this is a team. They steal a lot of bases. They're starting pitching. They're youngsters. They came up clutch. Their bullpen was great too. They deserve to move on. And yeah, so they did. And that's that's the end of it. Uh, rooting for the Marlins just because, you know, I love an underdog. But, yeah, obviously it stinks. I love the Cubbies, but they don't deserve to move on. So tip of the hat, tip of the fin maybe? Ooh, see what I did there with the Marlins? Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> they deserve to move on, though. All right, but let's talk about the real series here. The Padres, come on now. They beat the Cardinals 4-0. They come back right down one game. They're going to play the Dodgers. And, oh, man, that series. This was like, This was an incredible team performance. Just all the way around. So it was just I honestly words just don't describe how great they were, but let's let's get into the run. So bottom five, right? Still scoreless. The Padres would strike first. Tatis would hit a double. Then Hosmer, two batters later, he would drive him in with a with a double of his own. It'd be one zero. We would get two more runs off of the rare cardinal errors. Bottom of the seventh, right? So Got a couple runners on. Colton Wong, he gets a ground ball. It was a tough play. that he, he The fact that he even got to it was impressive. But he would he gets to it, then he tries to throw it to second base to try to start to start a double play. It goes wide right. Everybody's safe. So now we got bases loaded. Machado, he hits a ground ball to third base. Tommy Edmond, who had an up-and-down um, fielding performance at third base. He had, I believe he had an error in game one, but... Uh, overall, he had made really good plays at third. And this one, not his best. Uh, it was a it was a high ground ball to third. He had to leap up to make the catch. Tries to tag third base. Misses the base entirely. Throws home to Yadier Molina. Molina with the rare mistake. He fields it. Drops the ball on the tag. Everybody's safe. A run comes in. Then um, Hosmer, he would work a walk against Alex Reyes to bring in another one. 3-0. Uh, still had bases loaded, nobody out, just could not capitalize. It was a bummer. Uh, although we would add one more in the eighth, bottom eight, the National League Rookie of the Year, in my opinion, Jake Cronenworth from the University of Michigan. He would hit a solo shot to center field to make it four zip, and that would end the game. Uh, but that would end the game, four nothing. This was all about the Padres' bullpen. All about it, man. Remember, we didn't have a starter in this one. No Clevenger, no Lamette. You know, obviously Paddock and Davies, they had pitched the games before. Uh, this was a bullpen day. All bullpen. Nine pitchers. And it started off with Craig Stamen. Cinderella story from him. I remember the beginning of the season, he was terrible. He sucked. He was, you know, playing Russian roulette with like five, six bullets in the chamber. Like a lose-lose situation. But he set the tone in this one. He went one and two-thirds. He was great. Tim Hill was next. He pitched an inning. Pierce Johnson came in. 
struggled a little bit. He had a single and a walk that let you know had the bases loaded. Tim Hill left one on when Pierce Johnson came in, but he would strike out Dylan Carlson to get out of the jam. Adrian Morahone would come in. He would give one and two-thirds. He was fantastic. He looked great. He should have had the two innings. He should have gotten out of it, but Tatis made an error, which brought up Paul Goldschmidt and then into the game for us. Austin Adams, he comes in. Big spot. One of the reasons we signed a guy like Austin Adams at the trade deadline to get people like Goldie out, and he does his job, strikes out Paul Goldschmidt. It was great. But here was the big one. Sixth pitcher in for the Padres, the 20-year-old Luis Patino, the rookie. He's going to be 21 in October. He was huge, right? Had a little bit of trouble, you know, got a ground out early, but, but then gave up a double. Got another ground out, so two outs now. He gives up a walk. We got runners on first and third, right? Uh, Melita advanced on the ground out, so runners on the corners. Dexter Fowler's up. He hits a fly out to deep right field. Right before the warning trap, Grisham gets that out. That was huge for Patino. Great confidence move. It was nice. Machado came over and tapped him on the back. Like, good job, rookie. You got us through. And then after that, it was just easy street, baby. When you get to the 7th, 8th, and ninth with no score, I mean, the Padres are going to be tough to beat. Emil, um, Pagan coming in, doing his job. Drew Pomeranz, of course. And then how about Trevor Rosenthal? A little bit shaky in game one and two, but in this one, Goes one, two, three, strikeouts, strikes out all three batters, and we move on, baby. It was incredible, man. The beginning of the year, if you if you don't recall, the bullpen was supposed to be our strength, and it definitely wasn't. You know, Pagan was struggling. Uh, Stamen was obviously a dumpster fire. You know, Kirby Yates was on and off, and then he ended up being injured. That was supposed to be the heart and soul of our team, right, our top strength. And it wasn't. And then we go out in the deadline. We get guys like Austin Adams, Dan Altavia, who didn't pitch in this one, but he'll have a role to play. We get Trevor Rosenthal to come in and be our closer. And then the bullpens, they tighten things up. They've really, uh, really, now they're cooking with gas, man. They have that confidence going into the other round. I was listening to uh, Benz and Woods on uh, 97.3, the fan, uh, on Saturday. They did a special episode. And they were talking about how earlier in the year, uh, right before, right kind of mm, like right when the bullpen was really struggling and they're um, talking about an interview that Jace Tingler had where he was saying that these are our guys, right? Um, we're not going to move away from them. I trust these guys. They're going to work hard. They're going to figure things out and they're going to be great for us down the stretch, you know, and come playoff time, which is where we want to be. And I love the confidence of Tingler. Uh, I think that he does not maybe get enough credit for what he's really done for this club. Uh, I loved the game plan going into this game. Everybody performed. I love going with Stamen. He said that he trusts um, – the reason they went with Stamen in this one, they trusted the player. They trust the man that is Craig Stamen. You know, he's a leader for this team, and they trusted him to go out there and get the, get the job done, set the tone. It's exactly what he did, and it led to, I believe, if he if he goes out there and he gives up a run early, I mean, maybe the wheels come off, and it's we're not looking at a – a 4-0 win, you know. They only allowed four hits in this game as a bullpen. I mean, incredible work by them, you know. Huh. Just, I love the Padres, man. I would have been content with just Thursday, right? This season has been remarkable. But the fact we're moving on, we're playing the Dodgers, I mean, oh, it's it's phenomenal. I do want to briefly touch on the Cardinals, though. Um, there's a team I really respect a lot. You know, as a Cubs fan, uh, you know, rivals with St. Louis. but. Uh, the, time in and time again, this is just a great 
franchise. They're run, they're ran really well. I just have a lot of respect for this team. I remember, uh, you know, watching them a lot, a lot in the postseason. You know, with uh, pool host uh, Carpenter Yachty. Obviously, I love Yachty. Now he got a ton of love on the ESPN broadcast this weekend. Uh, but still, I think that you, I, I, I think he deserves it. But it was a little bit overboard. Uh, he is one of my favorite players to watch for sure. Um, yeah, one of their weaker teams, I think, this year for St. Louis uh, offensively. I would say defensively, again, one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, which is so weird. The Padres finally got a break in that top, the bottom of the seven with those errors. Um, it was great. I obviously love the Padres, of course, but I also love great baseball, and that's what we saw from Jack Flaherty, who I called Jake, I believe, in the Friday episode. That's what we saw from Jack Flaherty. I do want to give him a little bit of a shout-out. He was phenomenal for the Cardinals in that game three. Got out of some jams early. Had a big strikeout on Grisham with the bases loaded early in that game. He was fantastic. Six innings, six hits, only the one run, two walks, and eight strikeouts on 110 pitches. He came in. He's their ace, right? Had struggled a little bit in their in the struggled a little bit this year, right? He was very up and down. Um, but when his slider is working, and it was on on a Friday, it is nasty. He was dealing, and so yeah, I wanted to give a tip of the cap to him. For the Padres, though, they're moving on, and uh, once again, no idea who's going to be pitching on Tuesday against the Dodgers. The bullpen, like I said, they can't sustain that. It was great to see, but I mean, we can't go nine pitchers every every game. It'll destroy us. So. We'll, we're going to need starting pitching, and so we'll see if is it going to be Davies. Is it going to? I mean, do you do you throw Paddock out there again? I mean, I don't know if you could justify that, but we'll see. Uh, a little bit of news from Saturday, though. Listening to Benson Woods, like I said, um, Clevender was seen throwing at Petco on Saturday, so you know he was doing that already, though. So it really could mean nothing, but maybe we'll see Clevenger. I haven't really seen any news on Lamet. Maybe there's be more stuff tomorrow. Like I said, they don't have to. You don't have to announce your roster until I believe it's a few hours before game time. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, uh, they're moving on, and I love it. All right, let's shift to uh, the games that are going to be going on today. So now we're going to be in the divisional series, right? All the teams are in. Uh, it's going to be a best of five now. Uh, the difference from the how it normally works in the postseason. So it's going to be five games in five days. There's going to be no breaks. Normally, normally the divisional and championship series it's normally five. It's a you know five games and seven, right? You normally get a, a break after game two and game five. Uh, no break, so it's going to be five games in five days for the divisional series and the championship series, and then in the World Series it'll go back to that traditional format. So, like I said, the ALDS starts today, and both of these games today and both of these series should be a ton of fun. Both of these teams hate each other. It's uh, there's gonna be bad. There's bad blood, and it should be great. So kicking it off, we got the Houston Astros taking on the Oakland A's at Dodger Stadium for this one. Uh, remember, the AL teams are gonna be at the National League parks, and then vice versa. So uh, these two teams, they they were in a brawl earlier this year. Uh, I think this is the first brawl of the season. So center fielder Ramon Laureano, he got hit by a pitch uh, so as he was walking to first base. The Astros hitting coach he was starting to mock at him 
and insulting him. And then Laureano just out of nowhere starts charging the dugouts. The bench is clear. They get into it. They throw some fisticuffs around. Uh, it was fantastic. If you don't, uh, if you don't uh, really know kind of where this stems from, so the A's starting pitcher Max Fears, so he's on the team. He was on the Astros in 2017, and he was one of the guys who exposed. He was, I think, the main guy that exposed the cheating scandal that happened. So uh, some of the some of the issues stem from there. Um, he's going to most likely get a chance to pitch in this in this one. It'll be very interesting to see how he does against his own, his uh, former team. He might have a lot of a uh, lot of energy in that one, so we'll see if he does well. Uh, let's go A's, obviously. Uh, the Astros are scumbags and cheaters. I don't want them to win. It would feel wrong if they got to the championship round. If they got to the World Series, it would just have a. I would have a bitter taste in my mouth. It'd be terrible. On the mound today for the A's, it's going to be Chris Bassett. He was great in his start last in his first postseason start. Um, not his first postseason start. It might be his first postseason start, but in his first start of the 2020 postseason, there we go. He went seven innings, six hits, only one run, one walk, and five strikeouts for the Astros. It's going to be Lance McCullers Jr. He didn't pitch last series, I believe. Because, uh, I'm not sure why. I think it was like a late scratch, but uh, he didn't pitch. So he's going to get the nod. In the regular season, he had a 3-3 three and three record with a 3.93 ERA. All right, let's go athletics. Come on now. Game two at Petco Park is going to be the New York Yankees taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. This is the first time, actually, they've met in the postseason. So uh, these are two teams that hate each other, too, and it's hilarious that they were they both shared a hotel. They're going to share a hotel for this uh this series and it's oh man it's just it's hilarious just imagine them like meeting in an elevator <laughs> it's so great it's comedy all right so they also right they they don't hate each other they're already division rivals right but they got into it at the beginning of September so first inning Masahiro Tanaka for the Yankees he hits a raise batter in the first and they looked intentional the race thought it was intentional so nothing happens though until uh uh, I forget who was the home team, but, you know, until the ninth, Araldis Chapman in trying to close it out for the Yankees. He throws 101. Remember, this guy throws heat. He throws gas. He makes fast pe- fast pitches look not fast. He's got a cannon. He throws a 101-mile fastball near the head of the race hitter, Mikel Brusso. Like, like, we're talking, like, close. Looks like he's trying to target him. He says that it was not intentional. Right, he ends up striking out Bruso. You know, as as he's leaving, words to be exchanged, and the benches and dugouts were clear. The funny thing about this one, they they were social distancing, so it was like they were angry. It was kind of like one of those like, "Come on, bro, what are you gonna do, bro?" And they were kind of standing at it, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah." And it was like kind of back and forth yelling. It was funny. So yeah, a lot of tension here. The Rays they dominated the Yankees this year, winning eight out of tens. Uh, the Yankees, though, they look hot right now. And also in a few of those games, those few of those regular season games, uh, they did not have Aaron Judge for, I believe, six of them. John Car- John Carlos Stanton, he missed three or four. DJ LeMay, who was also out. All three of these guys are healthy now. They're all hitting the ball, particularly Stanton, who has homered in each of the games so far. So, yeah, should be a great series. Should be great baseball all around. I don't know if the Braves have beef with the Marlins. So, like, that could be a grudge match, too. But, obviously, the Padres 
and the Dodgers. We go way back. So that'll be a great rival, rivalry series as well. On the mound, on the mound tonight for the Yankees is going to be Garrett Cole. He was dominant in his first postseason start of 2020. Seven innings, six hits, two earned, no walks, and 13 strikeouts. Phenomenal. On the other side for Tampa, it's their ace, the lefty, Blake Snell. He was great in his start as well. Five and two-thirds, one hit, no runs, two walks, and nine strikeouts. Should be two great games today. Cannot wait to watch. Uh, Don Arcillo is going to be commentating the A's Houston series. So if you want great commentating, go there. He'll be sensational on the play-by-play. I'm not sure who the color guy is going to be, but uh, he'll be great. He's one of the best to do it, Don Rosillo. All right, that is it for baseball news today. Let's get into the NFL, the week four recap. Here we go. Uh, my, my, my takeaway from this week, and it's going to be the title of this episode, is Any Given Sunday. Right, you had great quarterback play this weekend. High scoring affairs, uh, disappointing games as well. But um, anybody, my moral of the story is this: and I th- I've touched on it before. Anybody can beat anybody in the NFL, right? It's not like college where you know Alabama's not going to lose to Appalachian State or whatever it is. You know, uh, all of these teams in the NFL they get paid a ridiculous amount of money to play this game. There's athletes all over the board, and if you're not your sharpest, you will lose. So with that in mind, let's get into it. This is the biggest surprise. Of the, uh, this game was a shock for me. Uh, the Bucks they beat the Chargers 38-31. to I was stunned by the scoreline here. I didn't think it, would, it was going to be close. The, the Bucks did cover, though, so, you know, that's one one for one there. Uh, let's start with the Bucks. Tom Brady, he was great in this one. 369 yards, five touchdowns to five different receivers. So, yeah, like I said, he's getting better. He did throw a really bad pick, though, in this one. Ended up being a pick six. Late on the throw. Just telegraphed it the whole way. I guess it's just got to – I guess it just comes with the territory now with Tom Brady. I'm not really sure. Uh, running back Ronald Jones, he had 20 carries for 111 yards. And then Mike Evans, who was battling injury all day, he put in a performance. Seven catches for 122 yards and a touchdowns. For the Chargers, once again – Rookie quarterback Justin Herbert, 20 of 25 for 290 yards and three touchdowns. He had a pick at the end of the game, didn't look great, uh, growing pains obviously, but man, this rookie in this one, sensational what, sensational what he was able to do. No Austin Eckler in this one for the majority of it. He left early in the game. Looks like he's going to be on the IR for a little bit. No Mike Williams. Uh, the Chargers only had 46 rush yards all game. They, he had to throw. Tampa Bay knew he was going to throw, and he still produced. The deep ball, he was throwing deep uh, deep passes for touchdowns. He he looks like he has a cannon, and they looked pretty. His first touchdown pass of the day, it was sensational. 54 yards in the bucket. It was awesome. The Chargers had control in this one. Honestly, it looked like they were going to make uh, make the upset, pull it off, you know, and then a huge mistake before the half in typical Charger fashion. They were up 24-7, and they're going to get the ball in the second half. They have the ball at their nine-yard line. You know, all they have to do is run out the clock for halftime. They give it off. They hand it off to the rookie, Joshua Kelly. Remember who's in there because Austin Eckler is out. He fumbles on the nine-yard line. Brutal. Tampa Bay recovers, they score a touchdown, and they cut the lead to 10 at half. The comeback was then on. 
first possession for the Chargers was a three and out. Then they miss a field goal. The Tampa Tampa Bay defense tightened up. Uh, they got the game winning interception late. The Chargers were outscored twenty four to seven in the second half. It was brutal. But big takeaway from this one, Herbert. Another solid performance by him, man. You got to figure that something's got to come, man. Like something's got to like happen, just like how it did for the Bengals this weekend. Like something's got to break, you know. He deserves to be the starter, even if Tyrod Taylor is back healthy. Speaking of those Bengals, Joe Burrow, Tiger King, and the Bengals, they get their first win against the Jags. They beat them 33-25. to uh, Burrow, a third straight game with 300 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. The interception, though, it was a great play by Miles Jack. Drew Sample, the tight end, he goes to the left corner of the end zone. He has it, but Miles Jack just rips it away from him. That was the interception, so it wasn't really a bad throw. The hero in this one for the Bengals, though, Joe Mixon, who, of course, I played in fantasy this week, who had done nothing prior uh, to this game. He goes off 25 carries, 151 yards, and two touchdowns. Also caught six passes for 30 yards and a touchdown as well. I love Joe Mixon. I think he's one of the most underrated running backs in the league. I think he's very good. Always plays hard, always tries to fall forward. He's working with a terrible offensive line. He was able to get it done and carry his team to a victory in this one. On Jacksonville's side, Gardner Minshew, 351 yards passing, two touchdowns, and an interception early in the game. James Robinson, the rookie, had another solid performance, uh, 107 total yards. And then wide receiver DJ Chark, doot, 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 DJ Chark, doot, 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 eight receptions. 95 yards and two touchdowns. Made a really sick touchdown uh, catch in the back of the end zone. Got two feet down. It was nice. Cincinnati in this one, they ran over 200 yards on the ground. Over 500 yards of offense. Jacksonville, only 2 of 10 on third down. They had a missed field goal as well. Um, Remember, uh, Josh Lambeau, he's on IR. Their other kicker, the black kicker, the unicorn, he got he has a groin issue. Uh, Hauschka before this game was ruled out. So uh, Rosas from the old Giants kicker, he came in. He missed one. They were also only two of five in the red zone. That was the killer for Jacksonville. Um, they also had a drive before the half with 20 seconds left, no timeouts. It was second and 10 at the Cincinnati 11. They get a, a nine-yard pass, so it's third and one, and they spike it. Uh, so now it's fourth down. So you have six seconds left. They got to kick a field goal. Uh, this, this for me, I, I don't like it because you know when they hiked it, they had about like nine seconds left. Right? I, I think that you gotta you gotta call two plays in the huddle here on second and ten if you don't get the first down. You know, I I think that's just like a big coaching mistake. And I just I'm just amazed at like at like so many plays that happen like this where I feel like it should just be very simple and easy, but it's not. Like, where, like, this seems like a very logical, like, okay, we don't have many timeouts left. There's 20 seconds left. We should probably call two plays here if we don't get the first down. That just seems very simple to me. And yet, time in and time again, we see these mistakes. I don't understand it. But, yeah, tip of the cap. Bengals, they get that first win. Great for them. The Browns, they embarrass the Cowboys 49-38. to 38. Uh, <laughs> uh, how about them Cowboys, man? Uh, Baker Mayfield, 165 yards passing and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, who was in for Nick Chubb, looks like he's going to be on the IR for a little bit. Uh, 11 carries, 71 yards, and two touchdowns. Is OBJ back? Odell Beckham Jr., he had a great day. Five catches for 81 yards and two touchdowns. He also had that running touchdown to steal it. That one, it looked terrible, right? So 
the uh, the Cowboys had cut it to three, and so like that's the play it where like it looks like it's going to be terrible because the defensive end is coming around, it looks like he's going to get OBJ for a massive loss. So as a Brown fan, you're watching that, you're thinking like, oh shit, <laughs> like oh no 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 don't, and then and then all of a sudden he turns the corner, you're like. Oh my god! Go go go! Touchdown! But it was just like a roller coaster there because you think that's going to be awful, and then it ends up being great. So yeah, three touchdown day for Odell Beckham. On Dallas's side, once again, you kind of have these empty stats where Dak Prescott throws for five hundred and two yards and four touchdowns, but he throws an interception and then he also fumbled. Zeke has one hundred twenty-five total yards. Amari Cooper, twelve catches, one hundred thirty-four yards and a touchdown. C.D. Lamb, five catches, seventy-nine yards and two touchdowns. Again, like mistakes again by Dallas. Three turnovers. Cleveland had none in this game. It just seems like a lack of coaching for Dallas on defense. Like, you know Cleveland wants to run the ball. You know that Baker, they don't want to rely on Baker. And yet, you don't stop the run. Cleveland had 300 rushing yards in this game. Both defenses gave up over 500 yards of offense as well. Uh, Cleveland was outscored 24-8 in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was 41-14. to 14. Dallas pulled within three. Obviously, before that, Odell Beckham run. Um, and then it ended up being a uh, a two-point conversion that was converted uh, by the Browns. It was next. They were going for the extra point. It got blocked by Dallas. The ball was bouncing around. Uh, I believe a Dallas, obviously a Dallas person touched it. It bounced around. It was in the end zone, and the Browns recovered it. And ended up and they recovered it and ran it into the end zone for a two-point conversion. So that kind of sucked for Dallas. I tweeted about this, uh, which probably nobody saw because nobody follows me on Twitter, which is fine. I honestly, I, I get it. Okay, it's Twitter. Not a lot of people use the Twitter. I, you know, I didn't really, but I'm using it now. I, I'm I'm coming up with great tweets. All right, when I do tweet, I, I I did retweet a lot this weekend, but when I do tweet, they are bangers. So this is what I tweeted about Dallas and and uh, the Browns. So I feel like these are very these are two good teams. They're not great, right? I have no faith in them making a playoff run. I think that Cleveland could make the playoffs. I think Dallas could make the playoffs just because their division is so awful. Um, but they don't have what it takes to beat a great team, in my opinion, right? Cleveland giving up this huge run. Dallas constantly making mistakes. I don't think they can beat a great team. However, they are really fun teams to watch on offense. So. For that, like this is a very entertaining game, but it doesn't like in the long term. This doesn't fill me with confidence if I'm a Cowboy fan, especially. But um, as a Browns fan as well, like long term, I'm not happy about this. Right? We gave up 38 points over 500 yards of offense. Not great. All right, the Saints they beat the Lions 35 to 29. Drew Brees 246 yards passing, two touchdowns and interception. Uh, Alvin Kamara, once again, great, 119 yards, uh, total yards, and a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders in this one, nice to get that connection going with Drew Brees. He's going to be huge for them. Six catches for 93 yards on Detroit side. Matt Stafford, 206 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Kenny Galladay, four catches and 62 yards, and touchdown. And then the rookie, DeAndre Swift, he had 52 total yards and a touchdown as well. The Lions, just for whatever reason, they just can't play a complete game. I, I don't know what it is. They come out so hot in the first quarter in this one. They have a touchdown on their first drive. Then their defense forces a turnover, gets a pick on Drew Brees. Then they get another touchdown. They're up 14 early. Then they don't score the rest of the half, and they only score 14, 15 points for the rest of the game. 
Uh, this, this was here are their drives in the first half after their first after their their first two drives, which ended up ended up in touchdowns. They have a punt, then they have an interception in the end zone, a really bad throw by Stafford. Then they have a three and out punt, then a punt, and then a punt. And then at halftime, it's now twenty eight to four Saints, and New Orleans gets the ball. Detroit only had three more possessions in the second half. I, uh, you just can't do that against the Saints team, right? And that's what great teams do. You know, the Saints, for example, they had the ball 13 more minutes than the Lions. They ran out the clock in the second half. Like I said, only three possessions for the Lions in that second half. Uh, they were 4-4 four four in the red zone, 10-14 on third down. The defense held the Lions to under 300 total yards and under 100 rushing. Bounce back day for the defense. That was great to see. Like I said, the Saints, I am a little bit worried, right? I still think they don't really gun the ball down the field too much. They don't really have, like, that explosive play on offense. But uh, this was – they're going to be a playoff team, right? And, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be a playoff team, obviously, and they'll figure things out. But long term, I don't know if they can beat somebody that airs it out right. You saw that with the Packers. I mean, although I do think they win that game if, if, if we have – people there if they're if they have their home field advantage but uh still i mean you know they beat a lions team here that just can't seem to put all the pieces together and play uh, four quarters of football all right the seahawks they beat the dolphins 31 to 23 this is a pretty close game actually um the dolphins should have covered the the six and a half here. This is really frustrating. Uh, Russell Wilson, he had 360 yards passing, two touchdowns and one interception. Chris Carson, 16 carries, 80 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, wide receiver DK Metcalf, four catches for 106 yards. On Miami's side, Fitzpatrick was not really Fitz Magic in this one. 315 yards and two interceptions. They were bad picks too. Uh, he, he did leave the team in rushing though with 47 yards, which is a problem means the Dolphins can't really run the ball. Devontae Parker had a good day. Wide receiver, 10 catches for 110 yards. Uh, this game, the play of the game was this. So it was 10-9. Uh, to nine. Uh, Seattle has the ball before half. They're up 10-9. to nine. Uh, They're at their own 36-yard line, nine, 19 seconds left. And they decide to take a shot uh, to one of their receivers. And it's a break in coverage by the Dolphins. Russell Wilson, best thrower of the deep ball. He hits David Moore for a 57-yard pass down the left sideline. So now they have the ball at the Miami 7. It's first and goal, and they end up scoring a TD right before the half. This was a killer. They go up 8, and the Dolphins just kept chasing the game. The killer, the, like the big killer for them, too, was they kept selling it for field goals. You could tell that Brian Flores, the head coach, he did not trust the offense yesterday in those situations, right? Fourth and three, fourth and four. The defense was playing well. Um, obviously, you know, he had faith in the defense. They were holding uh, the Seahawks for a majority of that game. Uh, but you can't – you got to score touchdowns against teams that are better than you, right? You can't settle for field goals. What you end up doing is chasing the game the rest of the way, and that's exactly what happened in Miami. Um, I'd like them to be more aggressive, you know, in these situations, right? You got nothing to lose. You're playing a really good team in Seattle. Your defense hung in there. They got turnovers. They were great. You know, just a couple errors by Fitzpatrick in this one and not being aggressive enough. Uh, we're getting closer to seeing Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It's getting closer to Tua time. This week they play the Niners, so may, they might not put in Tua. But next week they play Denver. Now, Denver has a good defense, but their offense is not, you know, 
spectacular. So maybe we'll see Tua in week six. All right, the Ravens, they rolled Washington. They beat the football team 31-17. They covered the 14 points. Crazy. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he was good in this one, 193 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He also rushed for a 50-yard TD. He had 53 yards uh, rushing, and that led the team. Uh, the team rushed for 144 yards. Uh, Hollywood Brown, he had four catches for 86 yards, and Mark Andrews had two touchdowns on three catches for 57 yards. On Washington's side, Dwayne Haskins, he had, he had a pretty good day, uh, considering he's Dwayne Haskins. 314 yards, no touchdowns, but he didn't turn the ball over, which was huge. Uh, rookie running back Antonio Gibson, his best day in the NFL, 128 total yards and a touchdown. He's looked great for them. And then, of course, Terry McLaurin, 10 catches for 118 yards. Here's a crazy stat for McLaurin. So going into this week, uh, he 36% of his targets relative to volume have been uncatchable. So 36% 36% of the time he is getting passes that are uncatchable and he's still coming down with them. So with some of them, right? To put that in perspective, another example of this is DK Metcalf where he is first with 36.3% of his passes being uncatchable. The difference though is that he has Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson is just making absurd throws that are on the money for DK Metcalf, right? Uh, with Terry McLaurin, Dwayne Haskins just making terrible throws to McLaurin, and he's still coming down with them. So just tip of the cap to McLaurin. He's been sensational. As far as the game goes, Washington still made mistakes. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, they're trending in the right direction. Uh, they had more time of time of possession. They had uh, they were only outgained by seven yards, three fifty to three forty three. They had more first downs than Baltimore, twenty four to eighteen. They stayed aggressive in this game, which I like from Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. He's always going to be aggressive. They went for it on a fourth down. Uh, they went for it on fourth down three times, uh, including a fourth and goal from their thirteen yard line. Now, that, now maybe that's a little bit ambitious, but they're down twenty eight to ten. So, you know, down 18, I love it because, you know, although, yes, a field goal cuts it to cuts it to a, a two-score game, right, where you get a – you still need – even with the field goal, you still need two touchdowns and a two-point conversion. So it's like, you know, a touchdown can maybe get you back in the game there, right? Maybe you go for the two-point conversion. You're only down 12 now. It opens up more options for your team, things like that. So I like what Ron Rivera is doing. I like that he's being aggressive. I feels like – the team is kind of embracing his new culture. And so, I mean, honestly, this division is such a dumpster fire that Washington could probably win this division. It's so bad. <laughs> they have the defense to do it, and if Dwayne Haskins keeps improving, if they get Antonio Gibson the ball, continue to get him the ball, Terry McLaurin, if he stays healthy, I mean, they could win the division, honestly. The Panthers, they beat the Cardinals 31-21. Uh, this surprised me. Teddy Bridgewater was great in this one. 276 yards, two touchdowns. Did have a pick, but he also had a rushing TD. Mike Davis, 16 carries for him, 84 yards and a touchdown. And then Robbie Anderson, he's found a home. Remember, he was on the Jets last season. Uh, they got rid of him. Sam Darnold is, oh man, he's, he's like staring outside the window like, hello, it's me. Like, come on, like Adele. Like, come on, dude. Come back, Robbie. I miss you. I need anybody here. Um, Robbie Anderson had eight catches for 99 yards. On the Arizona side of things, Kyler Murray, 133 yards. 
passing, but three touchdowns. He did fumble, though. He also led the team in rushing for 78 yards. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he only had seven catch, or he only had 41 yards in this game, but on seven catches. So it was just a weird game for the Cardinals. They only had 262 yards of offense. Uh, they were three for nine on third down. They had a huge mistake that fumble at the start of the second half. They were already down 14. They would fumble. Carolina would capitalize and score. They made it 28 to seven. That pretty much ended it. Carolina dominated in time of possession. 37 minutes, 23. They ran 17 more plays than the Cardinals. They had 444 yards of offense. They were 7 of 11 on third down. They were 4 for 5 in the red zone. A great improvement from last week from them. Really solid game. Arizona, and they've now lost two in a row. Um, It seems like they can't really run the ball. Kenyon Drake has really struggled. Besides Kyler Murray, you know, the design runs for him, and then also him just scrambling on passing downs. Uh, they, they seem to like really be one-dimensional where like they have to pass. So And DeAndre Hopkins, he went, but I believe that he was banged up in this one with the knees, so he wasn't at 100%. Uh, yeah, a little bit of concern from Arizona. They also had Buda Baker out in this one, a couple injuries in that secondary, so I don't know. But, yeah, I thought that they would win this one. Uh, it just shows that Matt Rule is kind of – Matt Rule's you know, establishing himself as a coach, you know, and Carolina's buying into that. All right, the Vikings, they beat the the Texans. Cousins was efficient in this one, 260 yards and one touchdown. Dalvin Cook, 27 carries, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Give this boy the rock. You just paid him early and often. You got to give it to Dalvin Cook. When Minnesota runs the ball, they run it well. They get ahead in games. They are hard to beat. Adam Thielen had a great day, too. Eight receptions, 114 yards, and one touchdown. And how about the rookie, Justin Jefferson? Four catches for 103 yards. For Houston, despite everything, despite the offensive line, despite the lack of weapons, despite my, a terrible defense, Deshaun Watson gets it done. That's the difference between him and, say, Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. He is elite, right? He's one of the elite quarterbacks. 300 yards, two touchdowns. He did fumble twice, but he recovered both of them, so no turnovers for him. David Johnson, the running back, he had 102 total yards. Will Fuller, he had six catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Houston, like I said, I mean, this is all about Deshaun Watson. This is the Deshaun Watson show. He's going to be running for his life all season. Uh, they were 3-for-12 on third down. They had under 100 yards rushing. It's just all on his It's all on his shoulders. The killer for in this game, though, the Texans were 0-for-3 in the red zone. That was the difference. The Vikings, 4 of 5 in the red zone for them. They held the ball for 13 more minutes. Mike Zimmer, he's going to keep coaching this young defense. They're going to keep getting better. So that's something for Minnesota to look forward to. The offense, they have to control the clock. They have to be able to run the ball, set up that play action with Thielen, and now Justin Jefferson emerging. Kirk Cousins has got to be you know, efficient. He's, he didn't turn it over in this one. That was huge for them. Um, like I said, for Houston, this is just awful. They're so bad. Um, just horrendous, man. Uh, the defense is terrible. This might be the worst tackling defense in the league. The amount of missed tackles yesterday that I saw, holy bejesus, man. Like I said, it's all Deshaun Watson's shoulder. They'll be able to win a few games just based on the fact that they have Deshaun Watson. But, oh, man, it looks really bad for Houston and Bill O'Brien. Maybe he'll eventually get out of there. All right, the Colts, they beat the Bears 19-11. to 
Let's talk about the Colts first. Phillip Rivers, 190 yards and a touchdown. I did forget to mention this last week. So uh, Phillip Rivers against the Jets, he threw his 400th career touchdown. He's now the sixth quarterback in NFL history to do so. What a career. And then, of course, that 400th touchdown was to a tight end. Of course it was. Phil Rivers loves the tight end position. He loves throwing to them big tight ends. Obviously, Antonio Gates for forever. Then Hunter Henry for a stint. And now Mo Ali Cox. Jonathan Taylor, the rookie, he had 17 carries for 61, 68 yards, I believe. Uh, I smudged it a little bit there. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's talk about the Bears, though. Nick Foles, 249 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Uh, the Bears only rushed for 28 yards in this game. Jesus. It's a testament to Indy's defense, but, I mean, still, come on now. Allen Robinson, though, once again, just proves he's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league. Seven catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Both defenses were great in this one. Both teams were – both offenses were held under 300 yards. The Bears, though, on offense, tough to watch, man. Four of 14 on third down. They had a turnover. Here are their 11 drives in the game. Punt, 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 field goal, punt, end of half. So it was a kneel down. Punt, 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 interception, touchdown. Terrible. Just horrendous offense. And, you know, you got mastermind in Mac Nagy. Obviously, Nick Foles, he's above average, right? Remember, this is his first week as a starter. You know, didn't have the offseason really because of the Coronas. So, get you know, still getting – still figuring things out, right? Still trying to build that chemistry with the receivers. But, yes, he is above average. But, I mean, there's a reason that the Eagles didn't keep him. There's a reason why the Jags – you know, after signing him, got rid of him. There's a reason why he was backing up Trubisky for two and a half weeks. He he has ups and downs. He's he's like Ryan Fitzpatrick in a way. I think he's more consistent than Fitzpatrick, and he doesn't have maybe the the ceiling that Ryan Fitzpatrick does. Because when Fitzpatrick does Fitz magic things, he's incredible. I don't know if Foles has that same ceiling, but he's he's more consistent than Fitzpatrick. So yeah, it's it's better than Trubisky, but still, I mean, we we need a quarterback. Okay, um, Indy, uh, long-term, they did win this game, but they have really struggled in the red zone. They're one of the worst teams. They're not the worst team in the red zone. Uh, they were one for four in this one. Otherwise, it would have been a blowout. They really got to improve on that. All right, the Rams, they beat the Giants 17-9 for L.A. Jared Goff, 200 yards, passing one touchdown. Cooper Cup, five catches for 64, 69 yards. Ayo, and a touchdown for the Giants, Daniel Jones. 190 yards, one interception late. He underthrew the ball. It was tough to see. But this is a good game from Daniel Jones. Like I said, he's going to have to battle all year. He uh, had 45 yards rushing, which tied Wayne Gallman for the most on the team. Uh, this is a very interesting game. I can't tell if the Rams' uh, offense was bad or the defense was good for the Giants. So the Rams had only had 58 yards of rushing, which, okay, you think a uh, good job, Giants. But they were only 5 of 13 on third down and had a turnover as well. I think it was just sloppy by them. The Giants really should have won this game. They had the ball for six more minutes. They had more yards than the Ram, but unfortunately could not execute. Four of 13 on third down, also zero for four in the red zone, coming away with field goals instead of touchdowns. That is a killer against a great team like the Rams. They find a way to win this game, but honestly, I, I feel like it should have been a blowout to only score 17 points against this Giants team that gave up a buttload of points against the Niners last week. Uh, not a good look. Once again, though, Aaron Donald, monster. 
if you if you watch, like you should just watch highlights of this game just to see Aaron Donald play. He is sensational. All right, couple more here. The Bills they beat the Raiders thirty to twenty three. I'll start with the Buffalo Bills. Keep circling the wagon. Josh Allen, how about the kid? Two hundred eighty eight yards, two touchdowns. Also had a rushing TD, got that quarterback sneak. He's one of the better quarterbacks to do it up there with Tom Brady. Devin Singletary, he had a good day. 76 total yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, game changer for this Buffalo Bills offense. Six catches for 115 yards. For the Raiders, strong performance by Derek Carr. He now becomes the leader uh, for touchdown passes for the Raiders. 311 yards in this one, two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, 73 total yards. Uh, he had a good game. You know, obviously not his best number-wise, but he ran hard, didn't had limited work. Darren Waller, he got back on track for the Raiders. Nine catches in this one for 88 yards. Uh, the killer for the Raiders is uh, in this one was turnovers late. They were down seven. Darren Waller caught a pass. Uh, and Josh Norman, who has been injured for the Bills, comes back this week. He punches the ball out. Recovers his own uh, his own forced fumble. Buffalo goes on to score. It's now 30-16. Next possession, they have a turnovers on downs. They were stopped on a fourth and one. And then um, Derek Carr fumbled with six minutes left when they were down uh, the two scores. And they just ran out of time. Uh, they were also two for four in the red zone, three for four for Buffalo. Uh, they, the Raiders are putting pieces together, which is great to see. Uh, they keep making some mistakes, though. They keep making turnovers. Uh, it's going to cost you against the better teams like Buffalo, right? That was the difference in this one. But Oakland, uh, Oakland, but Las Vegas, they're going to be a tough out this year. They really are. Uh, they've really bought into John Gruden. They're playing. Um, they're 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 being able to move the ball on offense. They're just having turnovers. They they can't have them in. They still got to help with their defense, right? I do want to say though, their safety, third year player, Jonathan Ape, or no, second year. Second year player. He's essentially a rookie, but his first year he played he played week one and then he was out for the season, so he's pretty much a rookie rookie. But second year player, Jonathan Abram, their safety, their strong safety. He's an up and coming like stud. This guy was all over the field on Sunday. He's a I watched the majority of this game. Not a lot of late games on. Obviously, you have the three games late. We had the three games late this Sunday. Jonathan Abram is a stud. And he he's he's an up and coming safety. He, he might be he he might be like a, the big deal. Like he he has the same impact that Jamal Adams has for the Seahawks. Not as good as Jamal Adams, but he has the same impact. Like he he's sensational to watch. All right, and then we have the Sunday night football game. <sighs> the Eagles beat the Niners twenty five to twenty. And now with a 1-2-1 and one record, the Eagles are first in the NFC East. Can you believe that garbage? What a joke this division is. Huh. Let me talk about Carson Wentz for a second. So, yes, he has been struggling. He's been bad. But considering his situation, he's done okay. And this was a great game by him. 193 yards and a touchdown, one interception. It was off a deflection, though. I'll give him a break. You got to remember, though, his left tackle, Jason Peters, he's on IR. His right tackle, Lane Johnson, he was in and out in this game. You got to replace him with people that have very little experience. His top four wide receivers, they're out. You have Greg Ward, his most experienced guy, who's only played in 11 games and only has 42 catches. Everybody else, you have a rookie, and then you have guys off practice squad. 
He had 37 yards rushing to go with the 193 yards passing. He scored a rushing touchdown. He um, had the game-winning touchdown pass, which was a beauty, to Travis Fulgham. Who's that, you asking? Oh, just, just some guy on their practice squad who had to get pulled up for this game. Catches a 42-yard touchdown in the bucket from Carson Wentz. Miles Sanders also contributed 76 total yards. But, I mean, Carson Wentz was great. Considering his situation, he's really good. I mean, no need to bench him. This guy's the real deal. I mean, this is why I prefer him over Dak, honestly. Because I don't know if Dak can win this game with these weapons, with, like, the banged-up offensive line that Wentz has had, with the lack of number one weapons. I don't know if Dak wins this game against the Niners. Speaking of San Francisco, Nick Mullins was just a train wreck in this one. He was the difference, honestly. And I'm going to stand up for my number one quarterback here as well, Jimmy Garoppolo. He got a lot of slack, right? Remember in the Super Bowl, he had those, he had that one bad pass, obviously, against, like, he overthrew Sanders by a mile. If he doesn't overthrow him, he's the MVP of that Super Bowl. He was out playing Mahomes for three quarters, okay? If Garoppolo plays in this one, the Niners stomp. They win this game easy. Mullins was terrible in this one. Uh, early on in the game, it looked like trouble. He missed two wide-open receivers first play of the games. He has a wide-open Kendrick Bourne on a slant, misses him. And then he has Kyle Juszczyk on what could have been a house call. Juszczyk's wide open, and he overthrows him. He also had three turnovers in this game. Obviously, everybody saw it. It's, everybody saw it. It's like a meme now. He had the pick six, which is probably going to be the worst pick six or the worst interception thrown all year. I mean, I don't know what he's looking. He doesn't even see the linebacker or the safety. I believe it was a safety. He doesn't even see him. Throws it right to him. Right hits him dead in the numbers. Pick six. That would be the end of his night. Beathard would come in, try to salvage it. Couldn't do it. Uh, the Niners really couldn't run the ball in this game either. Only 116 yards total. 38 of them, too, came on the rookies. Brandon Ayuk, his touchdown run. This was sensational. If you haven't seen it, he breaks a couple tackles. Then he has one defender to beat, and he takes off from the eight-yard line, hurdles the defender, and lands on the three-yard line, and then scores. He was he looks like he's going to be a sensational, crazy athlete. Also, welcome back, George Kittle. 15 catches, 184 yards, and a touchdown. It was great to see. Obviously, the Niners didn't pull it off. You know, Mullins was terrible, like I said. The Eagles' defense, they need a shout-out in this one. They were great. Five sacks. Partly Mullins holding onto the ball a little bit too long. Also, the old line did have some issues for the Niners. Uh, Trent Williams and Mike McGlinsey in particular, not their best days. Uh, they were also great against the run. Got to give it to them. The Niners, they did have a chance, though, after the Mullins pick six. C.J. Beathard did come in. Like I said, he drove the Niners down the field to score. They got in before the two-minute warning, which was great. Uh, they missed a two-point conversion, though. That was huge. Remember, the Eagles in this one, after they scored their first touchdown, they went for two. I think, you know, something by Doug Peterson, or, you know, just trying to get your offense going, trying to get them in the groove here. It makes sense. So they end up converting. So uh, that ended up looming huge because the Niners didn't get this two-point conversion. So they were down five instead of Jim being down three. Uh, Kittle, it was a bad pass by Beathard, but Kittle, I mean, he probably should have caught it. It was off his one hand. He was having a great night, but he ended up not catching it. Beathard looked like he could have ran it in, too, so that was kind of tough to see. Uh, they did have a chance, though. They they ended up getting in a position to throw a Hail Mary, and it just didn't work out, so they ended up losing. Uh, Niners should have won, like I said. With Jimmy G, if he's in this game, they win. They had 417 yards of offense versus 267 f 
for the Niners. Uh, it's so funny, man. So I was I followed the Niners Facebook page, and it's uh, you know to see like the the interview by Kyle Shanahan and the players after the game, and the people that commentate on Facebook under like you know for your sports team. <laughs> it's just like anytime I see this, I feel like it's. I want to say ninety percent of the time, it's just crap. Like the people that commentate on Facebook posts, like on the team page under like the interviews and stuff, ninety percent of the time they have no idea what they're talking about. Where it's like in this game, it's like oh man, the defense was terrible. Defense was terrible. They couldn't get the Eagles off the field. It's like really. That's how I feel. Like, that's how I think that they talk too. It's like really. The defense was great in this game. They only allowed 267 yards of offense. They forced a turnover. They held the Eagles to like a bad third down percentage. You got to remember, they're missing seven starters on this defense. Seven of them. Seven. Two of them are out for the season. Fred Warner, tip of the cap. He was all over the field. He was great last night. The defense didn't let the, didn't drop the ball. It was Nick Mullins in that offense. You know, it's the reason why Mullins is the backup. You look at all the weapons he had, right? Kittle coming back. Obviously, you know, no Mercer, no Mostert, but still, McKinnon looked great. You had uh, Jeff Wilson. You have Brandon Ayuk, who was sensational. Debo Samuel. Got weapons on that offense, right? Good offensive line. You know, they struggled at times, but they were still solid. Uh, Mullins just really dropped the ball. There's no doubt in my mind that Jimmy G wins this game if he plays. So, yeah. Just a frustrating loss for the Niners, but you know, uh, with all the injuries, like, are they really going to be able to re like to, you know, make a run in the playoffs? Like, who knows? But yeah, this one kind of stinks. Tip of the cap to Carson Wentz, though. Ah, oh, it just bugs me so much. Nick Mullins, which is so terrible. Oh man, that was just a tough loss for as a Niner fan. Brutal. All right, that was all the weekend action, though. So let me talk about the bets that I made. So, yeah, this was rough. I took one away. So, obviously, Tampa Bay covered. That's a check. That was solid. Arizona, they did loss. So they didn't cover. That was bad. Buffalo covered the minus three. Solid check mark. Uh, it's, I'm going to call this one a push. I uh, took out the New England uh, covering because, obviously, with no Cam Newton, there's just no way. Uh, without no Without Cam Newton, that changes everything. San Francisco lost, so that was an X. And then, obviously, the Miami didn't cover the 6.5. They would have if Fitzpatrick had played better, so that kind of bumped me out. So I was 2 for 5. Rough. Tonight, though, we do have two Monday Night Football games. Let's get get out of here on this. The Pats are going to take on the Chiefs. Uh, so the new line for that one is the Chiefs are favored by 10.5. Uh, I've already proved – I already previewed this game, but I'll just briefly kind of go through it. So, obviously, no Cam Newton. He got the Coronas. was hanging out with Trump over the weekend, I guess. Uh, Sonny Michelle, running back, he's going to be out for this one now. Left tackle, Isaiah Wynn. Right guard, Shaq Mason and Edelman are still questionable. I think Edelman is going to play, though. For Kansas City, Chris Jones, their best defensive player. Obviously, he's a stud. He's still questionable with a groin injury. Uh, without Cam Newton for the Patriots, he might sit out now. Or if he plays, it might be very sparingly. Uh, so, obviously, for... This game, the Pats, they have to, they're going to have to rely on their defense in this one. I don't know if they can stop Kansas City consistently. Uh, losing Newton is huge. It takes away a huge uh, dimension of your offense, right? You know, you could, you could run the ball with Cam. Brian Horder is going to be the guy for the Patriots in this one. You lose that other dimension that Cam Newton gives you. 
we'll see if they can control the time of possession. They have to really, they're going to have to really rely on the running game. Remember, they're first in the league in rushing yards per game, but that's with Cam Newton in there. You, and now you don't have Sony Michelle. So it's going to have to be the Rex Burkhead, James White, who I think is going to be back for this one. And then JJ Taylor, the rookie. It's going to be the three headed, like the three headed uh, horse. I was going to say monster, but like they have to prove themselves first, right? Um, on Kansas City side, they're on fire. We'll see if uh, the defense for the Patriots can, you know, make things difficult for Mahomes. I don't, I don't see it happening. I think that Kansas City is going to be able to move the ball fine. I think the Patriots will struggle moving the ball, and I don't think that they can keep up. So the Chiefs are going to win. The second game, we got the Falcons taking on the Packers. Green Bay is a six-point favorite in this one. We'll start with Atlanta's injuries. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, they're both kind of banged up with an ankle and hammy. They are going to play, though. Uh, defensive end, Takaris McKinley, and safety, Keanu Neal, they are both out. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know it by the way Atlanta's played defense, but these guys are actually really good players. Green Bay, uh, injury-wise, they're pretty banged up. So Devontae Adams, wide receiver, so he tweeted, I believe this morning, that he was out, but this tweet has since been deleted, so... I don't know. He's probably still going to be out, though. This was the killer, though. Wide receiver Alan Lazard, he had that huge Sunday football game. Uh, he is on the IR now after surgery he had for a uh, core muscle injury. So he played through that on Sunday night, balled out, but now he's on the IR for them. Their center, Corey Lindsey, he's questionable as well. And then on the defensive side for Green Bay, three key players, defensive tackle Kenny Clark, Linebacker, Zazarius Smith, and cornerback, Jair Alexander, they are all questionable. And then Smith's backup, Rashawn Gary from Michigan, he is questionable as well. My prediction for this one, I mean, let's talk about the Falcons real quick. Where do I start here? I mean, 31st in yards allowed per game and 31st in points allowed per game. Uh, they've allowed the most second-half points this season. Uh, you would think, like, oh, is it turnovers, maybe, that's allowing the teams to come back? Nope. They've taken the ball away five times, only given it away three times, so they're plus two in the turnover differential. Uh, just these second-half collapses, man, especially, particularly in the fourth quarter. Uh, obviously, the defense has been terrible. you got to put some of the blame there, but you also got to point to this offense, right? Matt Ryan, in particular, also the offensive coordinator, Dirk Cutter, in his second season with the Falcons. It feels like they just take their foot off the gas. They just kind of are passive, you know? Um, you know, when they need when they need it most, it seems like they really have a hard time. Or maybe they're overthinking things. You know, in both, like, they, they need a drive either to seal the game or all they have to do is get a first down, and they haven't been able to do it. They sh they've shit the bed both times, so against the Cowboys. All they needed was a first down to end the game. Can't do it. Against Chicago. Same thing. They need a first down to end the game. Can't do it. And then even even though the, the 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 Bears came down and took the lead, they still had a chance late, and they end up throwing an interception. I don't know what it is. Maybe if they have a lead in this game, the offense can. Uh... No, no, no. Like they've had leads. What am I saying? If they get a lead in this game, there we go. If they get a lead in this game, the offense. Like, needs to keep their foot on the gas, needs to be aggressive, because this offense can produce. They're a really high-powered offense. They're like the third or fourth best offense in the league right now, based on total yards. 
you got to stay aggressive with the play calling, though. I feel like, like I said, they just kind of become passive. And you need to be aggressive. It's so hard to win this league. Why you got to make it difficult? If you're blowing out a team, keep blowing them out. Step on the juggler, man. Go in for the kill. And they haven't been doing that, man. They've been easing off late in games, and that's been the killer. Uh, I don't think they're going to lead in this game, though, which might be good for them. Maybe they'll be better coming from behind. Who knows? I think that the two Aarons, Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, are going to have a field day. With Rodgers, I think that he showed last week that he was able to still be productive without his number one, Devontae Adams. He got the ball to several different receivers. I think he'll do that again tonight. Like I said, he's on his uh, farewell tour. He's been sensational. Aaron Jones, of course, one of the best running backs in football right now. I think Green Bay is going to win. They're not going to have answers for the two Aarons, the two AA runs. Um, I am interested to see, though, on Atlanta's side, if the defense will put up a fight if they've given up on Dan Quinn at all, you know, because he'll probably be out. Um, I don't know if he'll make it the whole season, but eventually you got to figure that he'll be out as the head coach. Who knows if he'll make it the whole season. But, yeah, so I'll be interested to see that. But I think that Green Bay is going to win this game. Whew. All right, Monday's episode. I love doing Monday's episode, man. I love it. It is a little bit long, right? We're an hour 15. We're going to be about an hour 15 in this one. But I love these episodes. I love Monday's episodes. I love Friday's episodes. This is going to be another killer week, man. We got playoff baseball today and then obviously pod squad tomorrow against the Dodgers. That's going to be a phenomenal series. I'm, I'm here for it. Braves, Marlins, too. Don't sleep on that series, too. That's going to be great. Basket Hoops comes again tomorrow, too. We'll recap these Monday Night Football games. Hopefully they're not blowouts. Hopefully they're still competitive. I'm very interested to see how the Patriots look against the Chiefs, see if they can slow them down at all. With all that being said, though, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, the responsible thing to do is to share it with friends, families, coworkers, maybe, you know, on your on your drive home from work, rolled out of that window and be like, hey, Yerks Talks on Spotify. Give it a holler. Give it a give it a holler. Give it a listen. That's what you should holler at them to give it a listen. There we go. All right, though, that is going to do it. Have a good Monday. Have a good start to your week. Go watch some sports, and I will see you guys on the next one.